Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Father's Day is one of those days, and let me just say that um, right up front that I, I, I do realize that in the world that we live in, when we get to holidays, people kind of... Um, question whether you should celebrate certain holidays because it's not the happiest of days for everyone. I just want to speak to that mentality real quick. And I want to encourage you, do not get wrapped up in that idea. Because I think that the moment that we, I met a family one time and uh, they were a missionary family. And uh, the little girl, you know, was just a little, she was like seven, eight years old, just cute little girl. I remember talking to her. Wait, oh, the keyboard disappeared. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, that's, no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. That's good. You were playing so nice. It was so good. Um, and, and I remember the little girl, I was talking to her and I said, hey, what's, you know, what's your favorite color? You know, what's your birthday? And she goes, oh, today's my birthday. I was like, what? Today is your birthday? That's amazing. Happy birthday. She's like, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't celebrate my my birthday. We don't celebrate birthdays. It's like, oh, happy birthday. And I was like, I tried to quiet down. I was like, as why don't we celebrate? Because mommy and daddy say every day is special. Uh, and, and not one day is special because every day is special. I wanted to go, your parents are whack, but I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. You celebrate every day. But I think what happens is when we get that mentality, that specific days are not special. And they're not worth celebrating either because everyone can't celebrate them or because every day is special. By the way, if every day is special, what it actually means is that no day is special. Okay, there are special days. There are special moments. So I think it is incredibly important on a day like Father's Day to take the time to celebrate dads who are putting in the hard work and who are being faithful to the call that is on their life. Now, can a day like that be challenging and difficult for people who have, I mean, my wife lost her dad when she was three months old in a tragic accident. So can a day like that, I'm looking at Pastor Amanda up here, whose, whose father was an unbelievable friend of mine who I, I deeply and dearly loved, an incredible mentor, lost his life tragically. When we look at those kinds of things, can they be days that are really hard for us? Yes, they can, but that doesn't mean that there's not something for us on that day. So today, no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, there's something special for you on this day, and I think specifically on Father's Day. Uh, because of the fact, and I think my text scripture, John 14, when Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, you believe in God, who at the time, everyone had a pretty strong feeling about the God, who God is, just as in even American culture, if you ask people they believe in God, most people say yes. This is where it gets uh, challenging, is when you start defining what that is. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. He's saying this to his disciples. He's saying it about the Father. Who wants to be in the presence of the Heavenly Father someday? So what Jesus is telling us today is he's saying there's a way to get there, to the presence of the Father who's got this, these mansions, he's got these rooms that he's prepared for you, all these incredible things in the Father's presence in the father's house, he says, you know the way. And then Thomas, very famous guy here, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. 
So how can we know the way? He said, we don't even know where you're going. We don't know where the father lives. We don't know where this amazing house is and with the mansions and all these incredible things you're talking about. How are we ever going to get there if we don't know the way? And Jesus gives the ultimate answer. He says, I am the way. I don't know the way. That's not what I'm bringing. I'm not bringing you knowledge of the way. I'm showing you the way. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Somebody say, no one comes to the Father except by Jesus. That is so important for us to know that if we want to know If you're here today and you don't have a a good earthly father or even have a father on this planet, the only way to know the love of the heavenly father, who is the perfect father, is through Jesus. He says, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. What it means is when we know Jesus and we know who he is. And this is the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world. What Jesus is saying is Christianity is not something you absorb and you come to some you know, moment mentally or intellectually that you've achieved as you go, oh, I get it now. It's not about enlightenment. It's about a relationship. What Jesus is saying is if you know me, You have to get to know me. You have to know who I am. And can I just tell you something? There are a lot of Christians who know a lot about Jesus. They call themselves Christians and they know a lot about Jesus, but they don't know him. You know, I never met Prince. I I love Prince's music. Grew up listening to him. He's one huge influence on me. But I know where he was born. I know what school he grew up in. I know how many instruments he plays. I know... Uh, what his favorite color is. I know the name of his studio. I know what kind of guitar he played. I know what kind of preamp he used. I know what kind of console he mixed on. I know what kind of tape machine he preferred to use, whether it's two inch. He liked to use two inch tape and mastered down to one inch uh, for all of his recordings to be sent out. I know what kind of compressors he used. I know what kind of synthesizers. He likes Oberheims. I know, I know everything. I mean, I know almost everything you could possibly know because I'm a music producer and those are the things that I try to pattern my production after. I know a lot about him, but can I tell you something? I don't know him. There's a bunch, there's a big difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them. And what I'm trying to tell you on Father's Day is that Jesus is saying, if you're ever going to know what a father is, if you're ever really going to know the father, not just know about him, then you have to know me. You have to know me, not just know about me. You have to experience me. Then he goes on and and then Philip, Philip doesn't get it. He hears all this and he, he says, well, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Well, of course, Philip, of course, it would be enough if you got shown everything. He says, that'll be enough. Just show us. And then Jesus questions him. And by the way, before you start going, man, Philip and Thomas, these guys are idiots. We are them, by the way. We do the same. We think just like that. We're like, just show me. Just give me a sign. If I make this basket, you're real. You know, I mean, we, this is like, this is how we think. And, and, and Philip, I'm glad that doesn't work because I'm terrible at shooting those baskets. Uh, it, it says, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? 
Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and he is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That's the second time he said that in the last two paragraphs. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verily, I, or very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will even do greater things because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I'm going to talk to you today uh, about the fatherhood of God. So, Father, I just pray in Jesus' name you would bless uh, this time together, bless this message. Uh, let hearts be open today for people that are watching online. I just speak right now to people that wonder maybe if you know what's going on in their world. They didn't make it today. They couldn't show up in person. Maybe they're even asking right now, is this for me? And I just pray you would confirm by the person of the Holy Spirit that you have a word for them and you are fully able and capable and ready and willing to bless them just as you are the people in this room. Let there be a miraculous atmosphere of hope in this place. We thank you for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. So this passage shows us that if we are ever going to truly know the father, and I'm just going to ask you to make sure you're paying attention. The only way to know him is through what? Through who? Right. So Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says he chose us in him. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This is from even from Jesus first. Jesus always that that word predestined that pro arizo to to predetermine in advance. God determined in it. That's that Greek word uh, pro arizo from Romans chapter eight. It's used here again. It says he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined. That's the word right there. He predestined us for adoption, for adoption, huiothesia. The word huios means son. Thesia means to make something. So it means that God predestined to make us sons and daughters. In advance, before we were ever born, the goal of the father was to bring us into his family so we could know what it felt like to be loved. We could understand what it meant to be protected and provided for. So we could understand what it meant to never have to question the motives of the one that covers us and that is over us. To have sonship through Christ Jesus. Now, this is where I want to kind of dig into that idea of attaining our adoption through what Christ has done for us, because that's available to everyone that's here today. And on Father's Day, if you're getting to celebrate your dad, please do it well. And if, if you don't have a dad or maybe you're, as I was talking about at the beginning, you're struggling with this a little bit. Let this day be about gaining a relationship with your heavenly father that you've never had before. That's possible, but it's possible through what I'm talking about right here. In Luke chapter 15, it says the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, be careful that you're not a mutterer. 
mutterers like to talk smack about everybody. Oh, did you see the shoes that they were wearing? Did you see their haircut? What is this, 1994? I mean, it's like, my gosh, mutterers. It's just they come up with something from everything. And, and they mutter to themselves, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Already you can tell there's a religious, legalistic spirit that is here. Many Christians love to live this way. Just constantly judging the motives of people, constantly judging what they're doing on the outside and elevating themselves above other people. And then Jesus told them who the ones that were muttering the religious people. He told them this parable. And this is incredibly famous, incredibly powerful. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country to go after the one lost sheep till he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, goes home, calls his friends and neighbors and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. So the response to you hang out with sinners, you hang out with all these tax collectors, these terrible people. The response is three stories. The first story is if you, the one who is muttering right now, had a lost sheep, you would go find him and you would bring him back and you would celebrate when you found him. That's story number one. And he says, and I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So he, he, he summarizes it. He don't even make a mystery of what he's talking about. Then he goes on and says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. By the way, if a woman loses something, she's going to find it. <laughs> Especially if it's jewelry or something like that. She's going to find it. And just men, just pro tip real quick. She probably knows where your lost stuff is too. You just got to be nice to her so she'll tell you. It says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. He caps this story at the end with the same concept. The first one, he said, the lost sheep, it's about a sinner. The second one, he said, it's about a sinner who's repenting. Now, he tells a third story, which is different from the first two. He says this, he says, a man had two sons. The younger said to his father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. He's got two sons. So this we know that in, 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 according to custom, the older brother got a double portion, which meant twice as much as the younger brother. So if you have $100,000 total wealth, the older brother is going to get $66,000. So in this story, there's only two sons, got an older brother, a younger brother. And we see that the younger one who had the lesser amount says to his dad, give me my share of the state. So the, the father does it. He divides his wealth and gives the younger brother. Let's just say he gives him 33,000 just for the sake of this analogy so we can get an idea of the value. So he takes his $33,000 and he gets everything he has and sets off for a distant country and squanders his wealth in wild living. So he parties everything away. And after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country and he began to be in need. So he goes and hires himself to a citizen of that country and he ends up in his fields feeding pigs. 
So he goes from being esteemed, having a place in the father's house, having uh, honor. Uh, his father had all kinds of you know, servants and all kinds of things like that. So he goes from this high level to feeding pigs. And it says in verse 16, he was so hungry, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And I'm starving to death. He comes to his senses. So he, what he, basically, that means what he did was crazy. And he was out of his mind. And he finally comes to his senses. And he says, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? I'm here starving to death. I'll set out. I'll go back to my father and say to him. So he purposes in his heart how he's going to reconcile this situation through repentance. He recognizes his need for the love of the father he decides that he's going to say, I've sinned against heaven. So he knows it's against God and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He's not even asking to be restored as a servant. He's saying, I'd rather work for my dad than work here. And what's sad is that there are many people out there that never come to their senses. They ask for their inheritance. They've squandered not only their money, but the love of the father to begin with. And they're in a far off distant land. And they just won't, they won't come to their senses. Can I just encourage you today? Come to your senses. If that's you today and you found out what sin costs, come to your senses. When you hit rock bottom and you experience failure in your life, when you experience the pain of what your own sin has caused you, let that be a place that softens your heart and, and, and say to yourself, I'm going to tell God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm going to make restitution for what I've done. I'm not going to see how far I can go until I die. Come to your senses. There's some powerful things in this story that don't even really have anything to do with the point I'm trying to make. But my gosh, it's powerful. It says, so he got up and he went to his father. And I love it. It says, while he was still a long way off. Somebody say a long way off. I love that. His father saw him. And his father, I don't know how his father was looking for, for, for him to be so far away, but it says he saw him far away and he goes, oh my gosh, it's him. It's him. Just had to be thinking about his son. And it's, he sees him and he says he was filled with compassion and he ran to his son. And this is important to know in, in my studies that in Middle Eastern culture this time, a patriarch never, ever, ever, ever ran. It's, it, it was considered dishonorable to run. Children ran. But this father, who has a place of esteem, he runs to his son. And he throws his arms around him and he kisses him. And he says, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. A ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. I'm not going to teach the whole prodigal here. It's not the, the point of what I'm trying to say today, but it's an incredible story. Bring the fattened calf, kill it. Man, they're going to have some steak. It's about to go down. I love what's happening here. It says, let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Here is where... I want you to focus in because we talk all the time about that first part of the story and it is incredible, but there's something else here in this little story. These back to back to back stories ends drastically different than the first two. And remember, all these stories are a response to the Pharisees and teachers of the law who were muttering against Jesus. 
The first one, he talks about a lost sheep. He says it's about a sinner repenting. The second one is about a lost coin. What is it about? A sinner repenting. Now he tells this third one. Okay, so the first half is about a lost person that most of us can identify as lost. By the way, there's two kinds of lost people in this world, the ones that know it and the ones that don't. Reminds me of when we were in California a few years ago. I was with my family. We were in a little rental car driving around, and I read you know, the GPS. I, didn't, I wasn't looking at it actively. I just read where it was going and looking for this in and out. By the way, that's pretty holy stuff there, in and out. It's amazing. <laughs> really good hamburgers. I wish we had them here in Central Florida. But I would drive around looking for in and out. I think at the time, Mia was probably, I think she was like 12 or 13 or something like that. And I remember we're driving around and I had missed multiple exits, multiple exits. And Amy was just dead silent. Like, you know, by, by the way, if you're married and the, and the husband is lost, the, the wife, that's the, that's the coldest thing you can do to your husband, just be quiet. Because it's like, see, see, you should have listened to me. And, and uh, so we're driving around and Mia's like only like 12 or 13. And, and I remember specifically, she goes, Daddy, do we even know where we're going right now? And I was like, of course we do. I was totally lost. So in this story, you've got this one guy, the younger one, who's obviously lost. But now check this out. The father welcomes home. Now, can we think of this for a second from the perspective of the older? The older brother. Because to him, the way this works, and by the way, he goes on to get really upset about all this. Let's just read it. He says, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he calls one of the servants. He says, what? why is there music and dancing? What is, what is happening right now? He says, your brother has come. He replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. He refused to go to his own brother's party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years, listen to this, the true heart comes out. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat. You've been ordering McDonald's Uber for me. And for him, you got Nona Blue and Crumble Cookies. <laughs> this is not fair. He is, he is infuriated. He, think, about how, think about how cold-hearted that is. All these years I've been slaving for you. He's basically saying our relationship has not even been the, the father-son relationship. That, you, that it really is, but to me, in my heart, I was just doing the work. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And he says, but when this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother, who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. So he comforts him, even with his bad attitude. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
And how does Jesus summarize this story? Does he say this is just like one sinner who repents and heaven rejoices? No, that's it. All of it is over right there. Why? Why does he talk in the first two? And he he tells exactly what it is. And all of this is a response to why he's hanging around tax collectors and sinners. And I would submit to you today that this last story of the prodigal son is a direct response to the Pharisees, to the teachers of the law, saying you may not consider yourself to be the younger brother that went out and lived wild and partied. And you may be judging the younger brother who went out and lived wild and partied, but you might be the, you are the older brother. You are the one who has obeyed every rule and you've been slaving over religion for years and years and years. And you feel a sense of entitlement to God because you have never smoked. You've never partied. You never drank. You never did all the things that the Bible says you shouldn't do. And you are infuriated and angry when you see God call someone that doesn't fit your agenda of what a Christian is supposed to be. Rather than celebrate that calling and celebrate like heaven does when a true sinner comes home. You fold your arms in protest. And what's happened is that the older brother has missed. You know, in Southern Gospel, uh, there's a, a scene where Samuel is preaching and he just does this little riff about the prodigal son and he's kind of, uh, you know, talking about himself, but he says, you know, prodigal doesn't mean, I mean, I could do an impression if you want, but I'm not going to Doesn't mean wild and crazy. No, I'm not going to do it. But he says, it doesn't mean wild and crazy. It means wasteful. That's actually what the word prodigal means. It doesn't mean a crazy wild person. I put that in there because that was always what I preached. I just put it, put in there for Samuel to say, but it doesn't mean wild and crazy. It means wasteful. And that word prodigal is not even in the Bible. Not even the Bible, it's the way we, it's what we call this story. So let's think for a moment. Who was really the most wasteful in the story? Was it the younger brother who wasted the 33,000? Or was it the older brother who wasted the kindness and the love and the forgiveness and the redemption of his father? Who was the most wasteful in this story? And so what I would say to you today is that Most of us are one of those two. We're either the prodigal that's out there wasting. And by the way, when you think to yourself, why was the older brother so mad? Well, let's just think for a quick second. If the the younger brother takes the 33,000, I'm not great at math, but I think that's about 66,000 that the older brother is left with. So that's all that's left now, 66,000. So the younger brother comes home. What the older brother is thinking about is that now there's less for me again, because you take the 66,000 and 33% of 66,000 is going to end up being 22,000. So now I go from having 66,000 to 44,000. So my net worth because of my father's forgiveness has decreased by around 20%. He's thinking purely in terms of finances and, and, and what is owed to him. So he's in, and we do this too. We do this with other people. I'm going to, because they got this opportunity. Now I'm going to miss this opportunity. 
That should have been mine. This should have been mine. And we're missing something so powerful here. I would say that the end of this story, there's like a little dot, dot, dot there because we have to fill in the blanks. Jesus is not going to summarize it for us because we have to fill in the blanks on which one we are. Where are we in this journey? And I encourage you today, start loving the father for who he is and not what he does. If you really want to know the father, you have to know Jesus. Start learning about who Jesus is, not just what he does for you, but who he is. Walk out his ways every day. Ask him to make you more like he is. And when you know Jesus, you're going to know the father. And here's just a spin that I don't know if, you know, how many people really think like this, but Colossians calls Jesus the firstborn among all creation. The firstborn, the elder. We know that the Bible says that Adam is the first Adam and Jesus is the last Adam. So in the line of humanity, we know that Jesus is the elder brother of us as Christians. But Jesus is the good elder brother. Jesus is the elder brother that made possible our restoration back to the father by willingly giving up his inheritance so that we could be restored again. Jesus was the way that we got back to the father to begin with when we were off in a far and distant land. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, my mission is to seek and save that which is lost. So Jesus went out into the far and distant country, which is called earth. He moved into our neighborhood and he sought us out as our older brother And he said, I'm going to make a way for you to come back to the father again. And I'm going to give you my inheritance. John 1.12 says to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right. If you believe in Jesus today, you have the right to become a child of God. You have the right to become a child of God. You say, well, we're all his children. Well, not not in a familial sense, maybe in a creation sense, but we're actually not a child of God until we get access to the Father and experience that adoption through Christ. We're only the children of God in a creation sense until we are redeemed. That is why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be what? Born again. You have to be born into the family of God. And then you're adopted by the Father. Romans 8, 15 says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs and joint heirs with Christ. So what it's saying is that we're not simply just children of God, we're actually heirs with Christ. 
with our elder brother, our good elder brother that made a way for us. It is through Jesus that we can get over our religion. It's through Jesus that we can actually know what it means to appreciate our father's love, to experience his generosity and his faithfulness and his kindness and his forgiveness, and to look at our younger brother with compassion, with people that are hurting, people that are lost, people that are in a far off land, to not judge them, but to look through eyes of compassion and to do what Jesus did, to seek and save those that are lost. That's what it means to really know the love of the Father. This whole story redefines God. You say, well, what does that mean? I mean, read the Bible and study it for yourself. Read the whole Old, Old Testament. Find how many times it calls God a Father. I think it's twice. It wasn't an idea that people were comfortable with. Until Jesus started talking about God as his father, no one talked about God that way. They used these names that were so holy that you couldn't even write them. That's the way people thought about God. So this story is redefining who God is. He's not just Elohim, he is Abba. He's our dad. That's who he's supposed to be to us. So I hope that brings comfort to those that need a dad today. He's your dad, he's your dad. By the way, Jesus, in case you're wondering, there's only one time that Jesus refers to God and does not use the word Father. Every single time he talks about God, he says the word Father, except for once. That should let us know the closeness of their relationship and the necessity in our life of knowing the Father and knowing him through Jesus, the Son. So the story redefines God, it redefines sin. I think that's important. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, the first son is more the traditional view of what sin is. But we have two sons that are alienated from the father. And each one used the father to get what they loved. One did it by being bad and one did it by being good. One was consumed with sins of passion, the other sins of attitude. And then finally, the story redefines salvation. Yes, you need to repent for what you've done wrong. But listen to this. Today, if we really listen to the story, we need to repent for many of the reasons we've done things right. That's what we learned from the older brother. The reasons that we've done those things right. And I'll close here today with an invitation for those that want to know the Father. Maybe you're watching online. You want to know what a dad is. You want to know what it means to be truly loved, to truly be cared for, protected, provided for. You can only really know that through your heavenly Father. I love my dad, but my dad is flawed. I try to be the best father I can, but I'm flawed. So as, as good as we can do on this earth, we can never do what God can do. But he offers us something that nothing and no one else can. But it only comes through Jesus. I want to remind you of those words from my text. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you want to know the Father, you have to first know the Son. So that's your invitation today, to know the Father, is to know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, you say, well, I just, how am I ever going to learn about the Father? Learn about Jesus. How, how am I ever going to learn about Jesus? Well, the more you know about the Father, the more you know about Jesus. That's why we can read the Old Testament and find out about God the Father, and we learn about Jesus, because Jesus says, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. There's your invitation today. So I invite you on Father's Day to know the Father like you never have before, and it can only happen through knowing Jesus. Could you bow your heads and close your eyes? At this moment, if you're here today, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're watching online, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as well. I want to give an invitation to you today to know the Father, to allow the Father's love to penetrate your heart, to listen to the words of Jesus, to heed his words, to follow him. He is the way. He doesn't just illuminate the way. He is the truth. He doesn't just give us the truth. He is the life. He doesn't just tell us about what life is. He gives it to us. We can only know the Father through Jesus. And if you've never done that before, never surrendered your life to Jesus so that you can know the love of the Father, today is the day. And if you're here, no one's looking around. If you're watching online, I'm going to count to three. And when I say the number three, I'm going to ask you to put your hands up in the air all over this building, high above your head, on three. Confidence today in what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. One, the Bible says, now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the building if that's you. Hands going up in every single section, every single section all over the room. I believe people are lifting their hands online. I'm going to ask you right now, if your hand is lifted, please repeat this after me. Say, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, you are the way. Jesus, you are the truth. Jesus, you are the life. I want to know the Father because I know you, Lord. Take away my past. I believe you took my past to the cross and to the grave. And when you rose again, my sin stayed. But in you, I am redeemed and am alive to a brand new life that you have called me to. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a great praise on Father's Day. Many people lifted their hands. Bless you today. Happy Father's Day. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.